hello guys thanks for tuning in and thank you for listening to this ntt20 betting show um we like to say that it's the sound of the start of your weekend so i, I can't lie when i say we're a little disappointed that we're a little late uh this week or this weekend so if you prefer to start your weekend with the sound of the betting show on a thursday evening uh, apologies but we're here We've just about woken up, wiped the sleep out of our eyes. And as I say that, George is literally wiping the sleep out of his eyes. <laughs> We're focusing on on betting selections ahead of the EFL weekend. This podcast is for over 18s only, of course. Please make sure you are gamble aware. Please don't be betting more than you can afford to lose. Uh, this pod is also sponsored by Five Yards, fiveyards.co.uk. Um, we could sit and explain the ins and outs of it, but chances are you've heard us discuss it before. Hopefully you've already checked out the site and are up to speed with all things Five Yards. But if not, please do head to fiveyards.co.uk. Have a look around, have a play around. The transfer window is open today, Friday. So um, a, a great day to go and check it out. A good day to be playing Five Yards. That is also for over 18s only. Uh, George, last week was not great, really bad for the naps. Um, you, you wondered aloud how... Birmingham would ruin your nap uh, of Borough beating them and they did and my MK Dons uh, draw no bet against Posh not even nearly a draw 3-0 to Posh um, pretty disgraceful scenes you did get a nice winner uh, with Norwich uh, against Cardiff Pookie didn't play which was disappointing and very disappointingly Will Boyle my long shot his header was parried away and stabbed home by Alfie May did you did you feel better though when you watched it so nope. I saw you saw the tweet. Well, because it was like, you know, it's basically keeper. How are you not catching that? <laughs> really? Look, Boyle getting first contact on anything at nil-nil. I'm claiming it's a value loser. Um, George, ahead of this weekend's EFL slate, I think we're shelving the FA Cup. I don't think either of us particularly uh, enamoured with anything there. Um, I think we might have the lesser spotted but very exciting double nap. Yes. Should I say what it is? Yeah, do. I think I, I'm so excited about this, which is instantly concerning. You're going to have to have a lot on this one because I'm pretty sure that afterwards you're going to get an £800 fine because I'm inviting you to a party. It is, again, a stag party. Obviously, at the moment, if you go to a stag party with over, with over 15 people, you get an £800 fine. I count 11 people, seven substitutes, and a manager in Nigel Clough. So we're in trouble here. But it is, of course, Mansfield. To beat South End, I think we have to rename this podcast the Mansfield Pod at the moment. But um, I was almost having gone so big on them both on this pod and on the Totally Football League show Extra Time. I, I kind of quite wanted to not pick Mansfield, even though they are going to be my biggest bet of the weekend. Pretty much one of my only bets of the weekend. There's not much I really like in League One and League Two this week, um, but they are at ten to eleven. Just look outstanding value. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the better form of South End. And there is no doubt the South End have improved. But they hadn't improved into a side who were going to pick up points at the rate they were doing during that good run. In the last couple of t- couple of games, we've seen them revert to something of a mean. You know, they went to a Grimsby, a, a, a Grimsby t- team who are probably now taking on the mantle as the worst team in the division at the moment. And they had the better of a game, but still couldn't break through a pretty porous defence and a nil-nil draw. They took the lead against Cambridge before being undone. Uh, in the second half and losing the game 2-1. Mansfield have had a decent break, uh, which I think is a positive at this stage, given how quickly the fixtures are coming, especially when, when you look at, Ma- at Southend's schedule recently. And you know, even though the, the winning scorelines 
except for the 4-0 against Port Vale, they don't really tell the, the full story here because in, against Scunthorpe in the 3-2, against Salford in the 2-1 and against Oldham in the 3-2, they were two goals clear of all of those sides pretty late on into the game before conceding a, a kind of a, a late consolation in effect. So um, they are the side at the moment who, when they turn up, are, are, are blitzing teams who are much better than Southend away. Um, they've signed George Lapsley on a on a full time deal, which if you tune into Sky Sports this evening, you might hear us talk about a little bit. You might even hear us talking about a stag party again, although I don't think I'll use that line for the TV. Um, so, yeah, there's just so much to like here. This is a Mansfield team who I consider to be one of the best, if not the best, in the division in the way at the the level that they're playing at. And I think Southend will have to put in a, a hell of a performance to stop them. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't be more all in with you, which is very exciting. Um, you've been waiting 10 months for your actual stag and as a, as as an usher, so have I. So let's hope that we can <laughs> celebrate hard this weekend, uh, albeit from the other side of London to each other. Um, just to add anything on top of what you said, so it doesn't sound like I'm piggybacking, do have my own notes. This The headline for me is this is the the current, the best team in the league currently uh, against one of the worst three or four still. Southend's 18 points from the last 12 games has been lovely to see, lovely to cover, don't get me wrong, but you can't tell me it's particularly sustainable. Um, the main thing that I've noticed is they've tightened up defensively. If you look at the last 12 games where their their run has improved, their, their shot on target numbers, 38 in those 12, that's the third lowest in the league, but only 38 against as well, which is the third best. So it might not be a, a thrashing. Uh, I'm not sure this Southend side are just folding in the face of any sort of pressure like they did for over a year but Mansfield good enough for me just on an absolute tear at the moment top of the league two table since Nigel Clough took charge um, the second most goals scored in that time he seems to have got the midfield balance right they have these three really nice technical attacking minded midfield players in, in Lapsley, Maris and Charsley and there were times under Coughlin where they were the midfield three and there wasn't really any balance at all and Ollie Clark is now just sitting deep and anchoring uh, and giving the platform for Lapsley, Maris and Charlesley, who's kind of been playing out on the right um, to do their thing. And of course, they've got a ton of striker options as well, whether it's Maynard or Bowery or Cook or Reed, um, they are not lacking. So I think they're a bit of a runaway train at the moment, which is very exciting. Um, and as you say, Southend played midweek. They were 1-0 up at half time. They lost 2-0 playing into the wind. 2-1. 2-1, sorry. You can't lose 2-0. Hell having, of an effort that. Yeah. Having been 1-0 up. Uh, playing into the win, second half, you know, bit of a battle. Mansfield, 10 days off, coming in hot. Um, as I say, this is both equal parts exciting and terrifying. Uh, a double nap co-signed by us, the NTT20 Stag Party, uh, Saturday, 3pm in South End. Do you know what? <laughs> Not the worst destination for it, if and when I've it had some, I've had some good times in South End before. Lovely, some lovely pubs. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, next best. Uh, you said you didn't love too much across the board. So tell me what you did like. Yeah, I've only got three picks today. Um, and the third one is is kind of a speculative goals goals uh, bet. Um, my, my second one is, and it's, you can basically replay what I what I said last week about Swindon Doncaster. I mean, that, that didn't come off for me. But again, I'm getting with Swindon at the Valley against Charlton. Um, I spoke about Swindon's transfer business last week, which I think is very good. Um, they put in a, a decent display against Doncaster. I, I think losing to this Doncaster side 
is basically no, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Um, I pointed out the loss of Ben Whiteman as being one of the key reasons why I wanted to get against Doncaster. Taylor Richards played a pass to, to, for the pre-assist for the first goal, which is probably better than any pass Whiteman's done in that role all season. So um, that was kind of scuppering uh, of what I was trying to do. Uh, but but Swindon have added Connor Masterson to, to their to their ranks this week as well. It really feels like I'm surprised by this, given you know the way that they approached their replacement of Richie Wellens it feels like they're really making having a go at trying to stay up they are investing in the squad even in the short term just to try and survive in league one this season and go again next time round. Charlton have only won one of their last seven games and that was thanks to an Olympic goal as you'd say from uh, from Jake Forstakaski uh, away at Bristol Rovers that they're really struggling for form that they're another side who at the moment seem to lack that a bit of belief they went ahead against Posh and, and were, were collared 2-1 uh, last time we saw them. In this reverse game a few weeks ago, Swindon scored a last-minute winner. Um, sorry, last-minute equaliser to make it 2-all. Uh, this is a better Swindon side than that one that day. So I, I'm, I'm backing Swindon double chance um, rather than draw no bet because I do think this Charlton side, you know, in terms of personnel, uh, Liam Miller looks like a, a, a really sharp signing. He's unbelievably fast um, and very lively. I do think this is a Charlton side who are going to improve. And, and I don't think this is their level that they're playing at, at the moment. This run of form will end. Um, but I'd like to have the draw on side. You know, I'd like to, if this is a draw, I'd like to win money, not just get my money back. So um, even money, the, the the Swindon or draw is my second selection. Okay, uh, my next one, uh, it's, it's a little bit bookie specific here. It's uh, Stoke Watford, Friday night, Sky game, Ali and George on in the studio at 10.15, um, and it's BTTS no at uh, 1.8. Now, generally, you're only getting between 1.6 and 1.7, but Sky better stand out here at 1.8. And I'm going to have a bit of that. Uh, I just think that both of these teams make scoring look quite hard. Um, we'll start with Watford. Uh, they are strong defensively. In recent weeks, I've been impressed defensively. The introduction of Sir Alta at the back and his partnership with Truce Dekong has been very good. But to be honest, I mean, even before that, I like Wilmot quite a lot. Uh, they've got Cathcart and Cabasele as well. Like the central defensive zone is not a problem for Watford. I guess the main, you know, Feminier and, and Messina have been playing well at fullback in the last few weeks. The the most the biggest concern for Watford is that uh, I think Foster's injured and Backman is playing. I don't know if Backman is good or bad, amazing or horrendous. I have no idea. But They've put up decent attacking numbers recently, Watford. I think going through the games, they've been they're slightly boosted. Uh, firstly, with quite a few Deeney pens, um, and also cleverly tackling the goalkeeper at Huddersfield um, from from open play or or non Deeney penalties and cleverly tackles. Sar and Pedro have both been have both taken good chances recently in the last few games. You know, really very high xG chances against um, one against Huddersfield that Pedro scored. And one against Norwich that Saar scored. And then outside of that, basically, it's just it's Andre Gray missing chances. Quite good chances all over the show. Um, so I think maybe the, the better attacking numbers are a little bit of a, of a smokescreen. Um, in XG terms, Stokes games are the lowest margin in the championship by quite a long way. That's over the course of the season, over the course of the last four, eight, 12 games, you name it, they... they their total XG numbers per game are, are exceptionally low. Um, I know they had a bit of a mad one midweek against Rotherham, 3-3. I'm banking on that being the exception rather than a sign of some new crazy open style. Um, <laughs> We've seen it before with them. Stoke had that weird little 
run in the middle of the season, yeah. kind of in October, where they had loads of um, high-scoring games. But <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying. But then, then, then they reverted to the to what they normally do, and you know, it was Shall boring. I, maybe I should back BTTS no at one point eight and over five point five goals at whatever that is, just just in case we have a crazy one. Um, yeah, BTTS knows landed in in sixty-two percent of Watford games, sixty percent of Stoke games. I can't see this being a game full of energy. Both teams playing a lot of football recently. So, yeah, BTTS, no. Friday night, Stoke-Watford, uh, 1.8 with Skybet. My next is a... It's kind of a bonus. It's not a very big price. So, no, it's not a bonus. Go on, then. I guess. Go on, it's, then. It's kind of... A, it's, you could change the names of the teams and just do kind of the same bet. It's QPR Derby. I'm backing under one and a half goals. So, basically, backing nil-nil or one-nil either way. Mm-hmm. At, um, at 11 to 5 which is with Unibet QPR I'm not really sure what's happened um, at QPR because they, they've kind of got they've got there in a roundabout way where for kind of three weeks they were just one of the most boring football teams to watch in the country but at the same time managed to kind of solidify their defence in a way that made them completely incompetent going forward and then suddenly this week with performances against Luton and Cardiff on the road they've kept that defensive solidity that we haven't really seen much under Mark Warburton and added a couple of goals to it as well to get six points um it's a different side now i mean i, I think you know we associate Mark Warburton teams as playing attacking football as conceding a lot of goals i think that they were our best on quest in our in our pre-season predictions um but that's not really the case at the moment. And it hasn't been for, for a fair few weeks now. I think in their last five games, only one of them has seen um, both teams scoring. And that was away at Norwich. Derby, this has been the case pretty much under Rooney since the start, except for that 4-0 win um, against Birmingham. They are a side who are just pretty pragmatic, to be honest. They look pretty solid defensively. They held on to a 1-0 lead against the Bournemouth side with a vast array of attacking talents um, pretty comfortably. I don't expect... Either team, well, I don't expect QPR to pose them much issues going forward. It just seems to me, as has been the case in in the championship quite a lot this season, um, this looks like a pretty um, low scoring, probably not an amazing spectacle um, to see, despite there being some quite good attacking players on there. And yeah, those three results seem like the most likely to me. Uh, I wouldn't want to bet on either side to win necessarily. So under one and a half at 11 to five is my third my third is posh uh, to beat Ipswich in League One. Ooh, that, this, that was on my shortlist as well this weekend, and I'm getting greedy. I don't know why I'm getting greedy because I really don't do it. I just need winners, but I'm I'm going to go posh and over 1.5 in the game. Oh my goodness, this is like this is like me last week. I didn't back it, put it on the betting show, but you, I you backed uh, Doncaster at four to six against Gillingham, and I backed Doncaster minus one against uh, not Gillingham. It was against, Sorry, against Rochdale, Rochdale against Rochdale, and I backed Doncaster minus one. My theory being like it's two sides where like it's just not going to be one nil, is it? Like it's not going to be. They went and during so- soccer Saturday on Saturday. They went to the reporter midway through the second half. They're like, any chance of a second goal? And he was like, no. There's basically no goal mouth action. It's just two teams with the ball in the middle of the park, very both looking very comfortable. I was like, brilliant. That's unbelievably annoying. Okay, carry well, on. Well, you should probably therefore by balance maybe just have a point on a one nil posh as well just in case <laughs> so that, uh, but i mean yeah look i it's hard not to be quite excited by the goals that posh have scored in their last few games um smodex clearly at the double uh, in their last two league games bullets being fed either by dembele or clark harris who himself is is the joint top scorer in league one isn't he um dembele's 
Dembele picking the ball up and running at a defence is one of the great sights in League One. Um, Smodix's clever runs in behind, you know, in terms of build-up play and in possession, Smodix, I don't think there's a huge amount to him considering he plays in a number 10 role. But as a as a goal scorer, when he's on form, some of his finishing in the last few games has been magnificent. So it appears that he is back on form. Uh, I don't think there are many better. And Clark Harris's just general presence means that, that you know, he's such a handful for defences. So I'm pretty excited about Posh uh, at the moment. It, it it didn't take me long to go back and, and just remind myself how they finished last season because it was it was Tony Smodix and Dembele, wasn't it, as this front three mm. with the with the solid base behind them. They 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 finished with seven wins in nine games. They scored four goals in four of those nine. So I, I'm I'm not calling it just yet, but I'm I'm excited uh, about the next few weeks for Posh, having gone a little bit cold on them for a month or so. And I'm pretty insistent, basically, that Ipswich are bad and they are still bad and that the the, the reason why maybe the sort of Lambert out general anger amongst the fan base hasn't been in the news as much is just because they missed a few weeks due to a COVID outbreak and then their schedule has given them three straight games against relegation zone teams, one of which they lost, of course, to Swindon on Sky, uh, and then two, they've played against Burton and they've won both of them just about without looking particularly good. So, you know, there's still not much between the two sides in the league table, but I think there is a lot between the two sides um, just in terms of where they are right now. I mean, Ipswich have been humbled, I would say, against Hull, against Pompey, against Doncaster. They got beaten by Lincoln. They were beaten by Charlton. Pretty much, they got beaten by Sunderland as well. Basically, whenever they've come up against another team that you'd consider, you know, a top eight or a top ten team in the league, it's become very clear that they are not very good. So I'm backing Posh here. I'm going over 1.5 goals as well. That has copped in 86% of Posh games and 75% of Ipswich games. Ten of Posh's 12 wins have been over 1.5, and six of Ipswich's seven defeats as well. So uh, that's that's. Uh, I should have mentioned the price. That's 23 to 10, 3.3. So I'm excited about that one. Um, think it'll be good. Uh, have you got any bonus selections, or shall I rattle through a couple of my? I've, own? I've got I've got a very small one. Um, Tiny. Yeah, I'm, I haven't made up my mind yet if I'm going to back it or not, but it's just something I'm keeping an eye on, and it's it's Wigan against Fleetwood, um, and it's Wigan minus one at eight to one. And it's purely just in case Fleetwood have totally fallen apart. I mean, we saw them go 3-0 down in the first half against uh, MK Dons last weekend. There are clearly tangible reasons why they might have fallen apart. Joey Barton has, of course, left the club. Um, the the new caretaker manager has very little experience at this level. They don't seem to have appointed a new manager yet. Paul Coots left on loan um, yesterday to go to Salford, which doesn't suggest that maybe things are all right at Fleetwood, given that he was playing basically every game um, before his departure. I don't know if there are financial issues. I don't know what's really going on at Fleetwood, but they've certainly, in my mind, gone from a team who we can expect to be in the mix for the playoffs to a team who who are not going to be there and, and who are kind of destined for something of a slide. Uh, Wigan, of course, are not a great side um, and the reasons for those are, are well publicised. But they have scored seven goals in their last two games. Um, they have conceded six, but they've they've scored seven. So they've kind of got some kind of attacking uh, rhythm at the moment. And I guess if this Fleetwood side are really downing tools, then there's a chance that Wigan could could rack up a bit of a score. So, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of hoping that the price might drift a bit. Eight to one at the moment. But um, I reckon there are worse eight to one shots you could have this weekend. 
Okay, nice. Uh, I've got two quick uh, goal scorer picks for my long shot. One of them again Friday night. So I hope you guys are listening nice and swiftly. Again, apologies for the delayed release of this podcast. It's the Salford Harrogate game in League Two. And I'm going to back Brandon Thomas Asante, uh, anytime goal scorer with Betfair, at four to one. Now, the first thing to say is Thomas Asante hasn't scored yet this season, um, which might put you off slightly. But his total XG in the league is 4.83. So uh, it's fair to say this is a guy who uh, takes a lot of shots and thus far either has been very inaccurate, maybe a little unlucky, probably a mixture of the two. Uh, Sixth most shots per 90 in League 2. So among League 2 players who play regularly, he is one of those that just constantly looks to, to beat his man and get shots off. He has started 13 games in the league and in six of those 13 he's had four shots or more so that's really what we'd be after tonight Harrogate have faced the second most shots in the league in the last 10 games their strong start I'm afraid has really melted away Um, they had a good performance nil-nil against Exeter in midweek but you know I I, 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 look Salford are favourites strong favourites for this game And I'm a bit concerned that Harrogate's... I know that they're missing a key centre-back and I think that's been a big issue for them. So um, uh, the one thing to check out is, you know, wait till six o'clock, wait till the teams come out. Thomas Asante didn't start in midweek, but he had started six or seven in a row before then. So I'm I'm guessing that was just rest and rotation. Hopefully he's raring to go here. Um, and at four to one, I think just someone who 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 has that high shot volume at some point, one of them's going to go in, uh, and I will be doubly happy because I'll have picked a winner, but also because I've seen a few episodes of the Salford documentary on Sky Sports, and he seems like a magnificent bloke, uh, and he is he's he's sort of one of the featured characters, if you will, uh, on the first step, and just a great guy, like full of beans, very positive. He really, you know, he 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 was released by MK Dons. He was one of about a handful of players that Salford signed for their under-23 team, which didn't previously exist, training on horrendous pitches, uh, and he forced his way into the first team. So I hope he scores for a number of reasons. Salford tonight against Harrogate, Thomas Asante, 4-1 to anytime. And then I'm really excited about my CB pick this week because it's 75-1 to shot, and it's Dale Fry to score first for Borough against Blackburn this weekend. Um, I think Betfair and, and Paddy Power are the standout prices here. I mean, Fry, he's a funny one because he's, he's he's huge. He's one of the taller CBs, <laughs> one of the taller centre-backs in the championship. So that's a tick in the box. Um, there are a few butts here. Like, he hasn't scored yet from a set piece. And in terms of actual, actual shots taken, he's not that high up in centre-back terms in the championship. So I'm a little perplexed about that because McNair's delivery is brilliant. Fry is clearly... Borough's tallest player and, and sort of aerial target, or at least should be. Um, it's more about the fact that there's I've seen a real vulnerability in Blackburn set-piece defending in the last few games. We've seen uh, Nick Powell score a free header from a corner against Stoke. We saw Naby Sarr as well versus Huddersfield a, free, uh, a few weeks ago head one in from probably seven or eight yards. Um, and I saw Andy Watson, who is a colleague of ours at five yards, but also a big Blackburn fan. Um, I saw him talking to a, a set-piece analyst on Twitter, Stuart Reid, uh, just asking him what his thoughts were because I, I think Blackburn are quite a small team. Um, their tallest guy is Jared Branthwaite, so he might be on fry here. Branthwaite's 18, so I'm kind of hoping that even though he's a big lad himself, maybe he doesn't know the dark arts, you know, he's a bit green, and hopefully Fry will get on the end of them. Uh, I watched all of their set-pieces from midweek against Forest. 
And as far as I could tell, maybe it was confirmation bias, but they were all aimed at him and he was the one making the big run from edge of the box to six yard box. As I say, McNair's delivery is excellent. So at 75 to one, I'm just pretty excited about the price here. I know that's just because he he hasn't proven himself to be much of a goal threat this season or before, but I think that could change uh, against a vulnerable Blackburn Rovers side. So Dale Fry, 75 to one. That would be, you know, if, if Mansfield winning would be a great stag do in not the top 20 pod <laughs> betting terms, a, 71, a 75 to one winner would be something quite special. Um, okay, time to recap our bets before we run in a little bit of the five yards five from this week. George, what are you going for this weekend? Mansfield away at Southend is the nap. The next best is Swindon or draw away at the Valley, away at Charlton. Um, I've got under one and a half goals in QPR against Derby and Wigan minus one for a tentative bonus. There you go. I am all aboard the stag train. Mansfield 10 to 11 uh, with Hills and Bet Victor as we record. Stoke and Watford. BTTS, no. The 1.8 on Sky Bet. I'm having a bit of that. Peterborough to beat Ipswich and over 1.5 goals in the game. 23 to 10, 3.3. And then my bonuses are Thomas Asante anytime with Betfair. Uh, if he starts, check the lineups at 6pm tonight. Uh, and 75-1, to 1, Dale Fry on Sunday, Middlesbrough against Blackburn. Really excited about that one. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. We're going to segue into, as I said, this week's Five Yards Five. We're talking about a couple of VFL players here and just considering their uh, their development, where they might end up and if they might be a, a spot of value on the Five Yards game. Do go to fiveyards.co.uk co.uk to check it out but most importantly have a great weekend guys uh, i hope you're all safe and well um please do keep tweeting us at ntt20 pod all weekend we want to hear what's going on in your games anything fun you've seen if any goalies happen to score we'd like to be the first to know um <laughs> and uh, as ever thanks for listening and we'll talk again on monday george as ever 20 plus players going up on five yards uh, at the end of this week ready for the transfer window on friday a couple of them from our favourite EFL, including the man you're about to talk about. Yeah, a couple going up that are interesting. Before I go on to my man, uh, Alan Halilovic uh, is going up, who has just gone to Birmingham, a really interesting player. Zach Viner, who you famously called a midfield destroyer on mm. Quest on uh, on Saturday, one for the podcast listeners there. Um, and uh, there was one other, Jamie Shackleton, who of course played last season in the Championship for Leeds, who's now a Premier League player. So a few going up, but the one I am going to talk about is Ovi Ajaria, who is going up at £12 million, which I am surprised about. Mm -hmm. Say it quietly, I am surprised about, because this is the latest in a line of elite um, championship ball carriers, basically. He is somebody who follows in the footsteps of, of Jack Grealish, of Aberi Eze, two players we've spoken about on the show. Eze is now valued, I think, at £32 million. Um, Grealish through the roof and... I don't think Ajaria is necessarily much worse than those two. He's destined to have a Premier League career. He's got the um, the calibre. You know, he came through in the Liverpool Academy. So he has that Liverpool um, technical side to him, I guess, that made him worthy of them. I mean, Liverpool fans four or five years ago would have told you that he was destined for, for massive things there. A couple of loan spells at Reading showed how good he was. And, and I was certainly surprised that Reading were able to to get him in on a permanent basis in the summer because I thought there would be a whole host of clubs who are in for him. But he's continuing to have a great season this season. He is a player who I think will, um, you know, he may be a criticism you could have of him is, is that he doesn't get enough goals. He doesn't necessarily create um, 
well, he, I mean, he is a creator and he creates a lot of chances, but maybe in terms of goal impact and PP, he's you'd expect someone of his talents to get a bit more. But um, yeah, 12 million, this is a guy who's, who's trage is, is very much upwards. Reading uh, uh, are a team who are in the mix for automatic promotion this season will be disappointed if they don't get in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his and he is, he'll be a fun person to, to buy because he's a very fun player to watch and um, has that ability to ghost past players without them really even being able to get near him um, in the final third. His, some of his shooting, you know, if you watch the goals he has scored, they're always pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, and coming in, off, coming in off the left-hand side, he's a player who will appeal to, to many, many clubs. So um, Ovi Ajari, my EFL player at 12 million. I'm not sure I've got any space for more Reading players in my squad. Already got, <laughs> already got Omar Richards and my golden boy, in five yards terms, uh, Michael Elise. George, to finish off uh, the 5 y 5 you gave me a little scouting mission, didn't you? I you did. put, you yes. put me to work this week. Your criteria that I set you was I wanted you to find EFL players under 10 million, so OV wouldn't count, that you are confident will play top-tier football in the next few years and for a decent stretch of time. Ooh, what have you got me? That's key, isn't it? There's no point... Key. There's no point necessarily just picking a player for a team that you think will win promotion who might stick around in the Premier League for a year, losing a lot of games, not getting a ton of PP. And then we'll see you uh, straight back in the second tier. Um, so I think this is this is an exciting one. And this is Christian Bielek of Ooh. Derby County. Now, I think you've already spoken about Christian Bielek on the five yards five, but I haven't. And I've got Lots to say about Bielek. Um, it's part of that because I texted you this morning saying that I thought Chelsea should sign him. I mean, it's that's basically what Five Yards is all about, right? <laughs> you, yeah. sow, you sowed that seed in my mind because although I'm not sure that that is, is likely or on the horizon, I genuinely think that people will look at his skill set, will look at his combination of physical and technical ability his versatility that he's shown in the EFL, playing either at centre-back in a back three, probably centre-back in a back two, he could handle uh, maybe against, you know, for a strong side uh, against weaker opposition. Um, but but certainly in recent times in midfield, having come back from injury, either at the base of midfield or breaking forward a bit more as he was uh, in a game this week against Bournemouth. Um, he's got such a nice mixture of skills. He's got the awareness to play good forward passes, um, not necessarily a defence splitter. You wouldn't necessarily want him making the final pass constantly uh, against a low block, for example, when breaking a team down, but more than comfortable progressing the ball to players in the final third, um, passing to teammates in front of him in space. And, you know, he can carry it as well. He's so strong and he's got good speed as well. He seems to be able to, to gallop through midfield with ease, which you know, you, you, you shouldn't be blinked at, really. It's a, it's a tough skill. And as you just said about Ajaria, ball-carrying ability, it's kind of been at the heart of a lot of the EFL players that have stepped up. Belix, 8 million. I mean, he's not a, a PP merchant by any means. He has scored a couple of goals from set pieces recently. His size means that he is a threat, and, and I would back him to score a couple every season. Because of his position on the pitch, he's probably not going to rack up a ton of assists as well. But 8 million in five yards terms is obviously about as cheap as you can get, really. And um, I think it's likely that, that a big team will take a punt on him at some point. Now, Derby did sign him for £10 million, which is a, a crazy transfer fee for a second-tier club, I think. 
Now, Derby may come into some financial difficulties in the in the in the immediate future. There's or no, they could be the richest club in, in England. <laughs> that's the thing, right? There's no there's no inside info there. But the fact is, Derby County have been a club that have lost a lot of money recently. There are financial fair play rules in the championship, and they are at risk of flouting them quite quite um, quite brutally. So if you've got an asset like Bielik up your sleeve, that's helpful, and you know that you can fetch a, a pretty penny for him. Certainly wouldn't sell him for less than the £10 million they bought him for. And I just I think that his skill set is going to be so attractive to top teams. I think in championship terms, he's already got a pretty high reputation in the game because he he was signed from Legia uh, by Arsenal and spent his youth career at Arsenal. He's had various loans. He's got three caps for Poland. He was a, a star and captain of a, a popular under, you know, the, the Polish under 21 side that had a good spell when he was playing there. So with a 10 million fee already spent on him, I can see the next one being bigger. I can see it being a club in a top tier. And I just wouldn't be surprised if Bielik goes and plays abroad, not necessarily in the Premier League, but in a top tier in Spain or Italy or even the Bundesliga. I honestly think his skill set could translate anywhere. So you set me that scouting task. I'm going to set one for you next week. I am excited. But an EFL player, sub 10 million, that I'm confident will play multiple years in a top tier, Christian Bielik currently on five yards at eight million pounds. As George said, 20 players going up on site. He mentioned a few of them. You've got the likes of Hakan Chalanoglu as well, the set piece master, and Tayan Koopminers, who I know is a very popular player for those who follow Dutch football. So make sure you're on five yards at 9.01 on Friday, just after the transfer window opens. Do some scout reports, move around your squad, get involved on five yards, sign up today if you haven't already. And thanks as always, for watching this week's 5Y5. We hope you'll join us again next week.